Hey, welcome to LDS Transitions. Today is the 23rd of August, 2021. Welcome. Uh, so, it's been an interesting couple of weeks processing the loss of my son. Uh, it's been a, it's been a tough one. Um, and understanding grief a little bit through a faith transition, um, grief through losing someone, you know, is it's in a way similar. Um, you kind of go in waves. Uh, sometimes it really helps when someone's there for you. And then it's also hurtful when people aren't there for you. Uh, faith transition is very much a grieving process. And when you don't have people there for you, it's, it's terrible. It's very noticeable. Uh, same with the loss of a loved one in death. Uh, it's very much a, a huge grieving process. And when people don't, aren't there for you, close ones that you would hope would reach out to you, when they're absent, it's very noticeable. Um, and it, it's very noticeable as far as what true friends look like. Um, and part of it is also difficult because in either way, when you grow up in the context of an LDS theology, um, you know, this absence from reaching out to people seems to be like, okay, so you believe, you believe you belong to the run, the one and only true church, you have all of the truthfulness, you have all of God's knowledge that he has revealed to man, and, uh, you know, you, you know about charity, you know about com um, compassion, you're a follower of Jesus, and, uh, where are you? Where are you in your teachings? And um, That's something that always bothered me, is that, you know, if, if I'm going to see truthfulness, I'm going to see it in the members of the church. I'm going to see it in, um, in those around me, you know. So, uh, it's, it is what it is. Um, you know, and you can't be so literal to expect everyone to be in a good place. They don't, everyone handles grief differently. Um, I did hear from a friend that I lost touch with. Uh, he'd on, he'd be on Facebook and stuff, but he wouldn't really post anything, and it wasn't a good way to interact. Um, 
and so it was, you know, I was hoping I'd hear from him, but we hadn't been in touch for a while. It really meant a lot that he reached out. It, it's helpful to reach out. If you know someone that's lost someone, reaching out helps. Um, so I, I highly recommend reaching out, showing love. It might be awkward, it might be uncomfortable, you know, but uh, reaching out is awesome. And that's same with those that are in the faith transition. Reaching out is good. Not to talk about differences or or uh, or try to helping them change their narrative or to come back to the original narrative. Uh, it's just to be there for them is it's all they need. Just to know that that uh, people care. You know, so um, changing topic. Uh, don't want to be too doom and gloom, but uh, it is part of processing. That processing. Um, but uh, so yesterday we had a, a state conference, and it was a weird one. It seemed like the focus was on not taking offense and allowing for unity and um, not to um, have contention. <laughs> and uh, one state president got up and talked about, you know, how... Um, The one stake president talked about how, you know, contending against historical issues. I'm like, oh, what troubles have you been having in your stake? I'm like, cha-ching. Um, and, uh... <laughs> um... Then there was, uh... Someone else that... talked about um, and used scriptures about Satan and and how he you know he's you know he's the father of contention and he wants us to contend and that scripture always bugs me because it doesn't lend ear to honest seekers of the truth if you are seeking truth you can't bring that up. If there is issues going on and you bring that up, well, all of a sudden things get uncomfortable and people interpret that as a spirit leaving. They interpret it as contention. But the <laughs> then you've got the argument about how there's room for everybody at the table. 
And if there's room for everybody at the table, there has to be room for honest dialogue and communication. Um, Paul and Peter had very much differences on who should be able to eat and be at the table. Peter was very much around the Orthodox, those that grew up in the church, those that had a birthright, if you will, while Paul was, doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, doesn't matter quote-unquote who you are, you should be able to have space, you should have a place at the table. So where does contention come in and also being able to have a space at the table? So in politics, you know, we have our different groups, our different um, parties that we align with, and, you know, there's only you know, maybe a few parties, right? Um, There's only two primary parties here in the United States. And are you going to align with everyone's views within those two parties? No, everyone's going to be a bit different. And when you look at the legislators as they meet, they're all over the board. Um but there's room for them at the table because they represent the people. Okay, so the Constitution is considered from God, right? It is prescribed that way. Um, and uh, regardless if you have a belief in that or not, I, I don't really have an opinion. Um my opinion's a little bit more on the negative side because I'm having a hard time reconstructing deity and what deity looks like. But regardless, you know, let's let's assume that the Constitution came from a higher power, okay? Through wisdom, through maybe even prayer, whatever. Um, it's hard to say, right? So, let's say that's the case. Let's say it came from a higher power. Well, it is. It isn't about us being unified on something. It's about helping everyone have a voice. Because you have a representative that helps give your voice to things. Um... You don't have any representation within the church. The members don't have a representation. It is a top-down structure. There is no room to discuss anything. Um, If you are not aligned with anything, then you're assuming that God is basically saying, hey, this is um, this is my prophet, this is my voice. That's another thing in yesterday's talk is 
they they talked about uh um you know that we should follow the prophets that we should look to our leaders um that they're there you know they use they believe Thessalonians scripture I want to say chapter 4 to help show that hey the leaders are there for you they're there to help teach you and to bring you about and and everything and it's really um it's really concerning if you don't have a representation for your voice and you're supposed to be getting your spiritual insight your uh, direction from these men that have a narrative that may not fit your solution, such as LGBTQ. Um, if I have a child come out as gay or somewhere, um, they come out as queer, I am not sending them to a bishop. I will fight that left and right. Um, and that's because they're not trained. They don't have proven methodologies. Your accountant trained bishop or stake president is not trained on any matters there. They don't have any proficiency. So... And, you know, really, you're, if you're putting your trust in these men, you're also trusting them with salvation-based items or concepts of eternity and eternal families. You know, are you then going to allow a leader to say, they can't be with you in the afterlife? You need to look at some sort of conversion therapy or something else. Just harmful practices. Uh, so those are some things that I struggled with this weekend is hearing that narrative. You know, I don't, I don't believe there's a devil. I don't believe... in a top-down patriarchal structure. Uh, it's concerning. It's uh, greatly concerning. The individual doesn't have representation. People to be in a healthy spot need to feel like their voice is heard. They need to feel validated in their feelings. Um, and they need to be you know, not shamed or feel guilty um, for their process. And that's not easy to do, especially uh, deconstructing as well isn't easy to do. Um, it, it's easy as a parent to get into, you know, paths that you have in the, in the brain as far as, hey, this is how you were taught growing up and you know, um, and so, you know, we might use shame tactics of, hey, that was a bad choice you made, um, where you can use a lot of different other words, such as, let's talk, how did that make 
your sibling feel? If you were in her position or whatever, would you feel the same thing? Would you feel as she felt? You know, and trying to help them find empathy, which isn't easy to do all the time, especially when emotions are running high, to handle the situation. But it's also not effective to have someone believe that their relationship to God is in jeopardy because of the shame or the the guilt they feel for how they treated someone. Um, you know, and I take this back to when I was when I was eight. Before I was eight years old, I considered suicide because I assumed I would not be able to uh, be perfect enough that I wouldn't be able to um, make it to be able to make correct, healthy choices. Um, so it's, it's something that you have to be careful with. It's something that you have to balance out. So, uh, another item, um, I lost it. It went poof. I was going to try to share something else. I don't remember now. Fiddle faddle. <laughs> so, uh, so those are processes that I'm going through. Uh, it's, it's not easy to go through these transitions. Oh, there's a little deer. We have a couple fawns and their mother, and they've, I think they've lost their spotting now. Um, but uh, we see them, and there's a lot of brush in here, so it's hard for me to see them, but I saw a movement and looked like I saw a hind quarter, just the backside. Um, but, uh, Yesterday we saw a falcon as well. Um, it was really cool. But uh, we've got some fallen trees and so I'm seeing mushrooms on them. Um, I, I have no idea if they're healthy or not or even how to approach any sort of mushroom. Um, but uh, I just think it's neat that you see the continual growth from the little I've studied with mushrooms. Um, I, I think they're pretty fascinating just with uh, the health that they provide nature. Um, I think is pretty remarkable. Uh, it's kind of the circle of life, you know, uh, bees that are able to take in, is it psilocybin? Um, I forget what, but 
they've noticed that bees are a lot healthier and can fight against the mites and what things that would take them down. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I forget the the guy's name, but if you look up mushrooms and bees and psilocybin and I know he's been on Joe Rogan a couple times. Um, is it St Stamos? Maybe Stamos. Um, I want to say like it's John Stamos or something like that. But uh, it's a fun thing to read about and learn about. Uh, I've got a friend that uh, has done some mushrooms and it's helped her spiritually to tie in and have some healing. Um, she shared a, an experience and, um, and, uh, which was cool that she shared it. Um, I haven't shared her name or the story with anybody and I won't share that story, but, uh, just want to reference, you know, it can do some good. Um, you can have some healing and insight that uh that you didn't know about and it's not about mushrooms aren't about having a rush um it's not about having a, a high um it's not about that at all it's uh kind of helping your brain kind of ignite and function and um interact at a higher level and you can kind of see things from a different perspective if you will but uh i've never been on them um maybe one day but uh, uh i'm not gonna ever critic criticize someone's experience like that um i think it's very much a healthy tool that you can use but you should use extreme caution with it too, and that's where there's a lot of learning that needs to take place. So, um, squirrel event. I didn't mean to talk about mushrooms, but uh, that's what happens when you see a deer in the woods and and mushrooms on a tree, right? Um, You know, oh, huh, should I use politics at all? No, I'm not going to use politics. But I do want to talk about the virus. A um, couple concerning things for me, and this is my viewpoint only. And um, But my viewpoint is, is that the virus is especially with the delta there's now a, another variant i think it's called lambda and then another one that doesn't have a name yet and um they're just getting worse and worse as far as the amount of viral load the amount of transmission how easy it is as well as the effects on it they're finding more children that are needing medical attention 
they're finding um, one to be resilient to the vaccination um, they're finding that uh, that we may not be out of the woods that there might be a variant where we need a new vaccine for and we just don't have time to uh, to get that so if there's a time now where wearing a mask socially distancing is important now's that time regardless if you've had that vaccination or not so my perception from the get-go is a virus is a virus it doesn't care who it is it just wants to live it just wants to populate it wants to be able to thrive right and so if you're wearing a mask and someone else is wearing a mask and you're social distancing the viral load is going to be less and then if you've all had the vaccination that viral load isn't going to be able to uh, produce as quickly and as heavily and then you're not going to be transmitting it regardless of how healthy you are to onto someone else you are going to be helping stop the the concern is that herd immunity is no longer possible with the delta variant being as transmissible as it is um, herd immunity isn't possible from my understanding um, now it's easy to get into okay well quote your sources and who said that and this and so some of my sources are people from like the Mayo Clinic um, people uh, like Fauci in a way I don't take his initial words anymore I feel like he's being very cautious due to the people out there um, I think he realizes that if he isn't careful with presenting the message that people will just shut him down and won't listen at all um, just because of how political it is but regardless uh, I, I'm not one to quote people and to say hey I'm authoritative on this that's my worrisome, is that <clears throat> I'd rather use caution. I'd rather help dissipate it and help uh, take a, a little bit of a sacrifice in wearing a mask and not going to public places. Um, to help prevent the spread to others, but also to help curb the virus so that we don't keep getting these variants. So it's disturbing to me that there's not a mandate. Because at some point, the hospitals are going to be so overran where if we don't have a mandate, our death counts could just 
enormously erupt. Um, and it also allows for additional variants. You know, people are worried about the vaccine as far as, well, what are the long-term effects from it? Um, we don't know. Doctors are talking, we just don't know. Um, it's hard to study something that hasn't been out for even a whole year, right? How are we going to know long-term effects? But with their knowledge of how it's worked in the past, this type of technology generally isn't going to have long-term effects. But what is more concerning are the long-term effects that the virus causes, even for a healthy person, um, with how it affects the lungs and and other parts of the body. So, my cautionary tale to you is be safe, find sources that don't seem to have a um, an agenda that are trying to just share facts. Listen to multiple medical professionals scientists and do you but just remember doing you is also how you deal with your neighbor if you love yourself enough to get a vaccine if you love yourself enough to save your own life is it worth getting the vaccine and wearing a mask to try to save another life? If we believe in God's first two laws of loving God and loving your neighbor, does it not make sense to mask up? Or do we feel that our individual agency and rights mean more than to love our neighbor. So, I'm throwing the narrative back out there. This is what I like about Jesus Christ's teachings is loving your neighbor, loving God. If that is important enough to you, just those two things of trying to love God, trying to find deity, trying to find a better world, maybe loving humanity um, or the creator of humanity, regardless of what that is or may have been or whatever. Um, having a care for just life in general, right? If we at least say that. Um, how does that look? And how does that look if you are loving your neighbor? How does that look as far as our, our reaction to the virus and stuff? Um, obviously, there's everyone's different 
But if you take those two things and apply it to your own life, does it merit change? I don't know. That's I'm not I'm not you, right? But uh this is where I struggle with where narrative of Christianity feels right in many ways. But it's not the authoritative on truth. But yet there's a lot of wisdom too around loving God and loving your neighbor and how it directs your actions towards taking care of life in general and helping humanity, you know, helping others within community, etc. But anyway, I leave these things with you. I'm just kidding. But take care, y'all. Be good.